Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. Salutations. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. And we're going to be doing uh, combat films tonight, so that means we're going to skip over a lot of treacly, manipulative crap, Spielbergian crap, like... Uh, well, don't say no, it. Don't say it. We... I know. I won't say it. <laughs> okay. We agreed on that. Yeah, and we have our uh, our uh, big ones that we love and here, and we have our most underrated ones and the ones that we love. Okay, Carl, what is going to be your first one? I want to talk about this well, one. I don't know what the hell it's about, and you can t- you can educate me, and it's uh, Army of Shadows. So educate me. Okay, well, I was going to start from my number 10 and go up to number 1. We could do it that way, too. Okay, no, no, go for your number 10. But I can't wait to hear about that one because I don't know what it's about. Okay, well, I don't know if you know this one either. This one is either known as the Beast or the Beast of War. Oh, the one about the tank? Yes. Yeah, I know that one. This is a Soviet tank, and its, and its war and crew become separated from the patrol and lost in an Afghan valley 
with a group of vengeance-seeking rebels on their tracks. The interesting thing about this, it's, it's uh, during the Afghan war, but it's Russia versus the Afghans. So uh, this is a really interesting film, um, directed by Kevin Reynolds, who's best known for his work with uh, uh, Kevin Costner, Waterworld, and Robin Hood. But this is a good, gritty, nasty little film. And, and and one of the things you'll you'll notice about the films I I pick out during this is is that most of them are um, are on the gritty side and they're not exactly pro war uh, and neither is this one. Um, but this is not not any big names. I think the biggest name here is is Jason Patrick and Stephen Bauer, but that actually uh, uh, makes the film better. I think because because everything is, is is you know you just don't know the characters it's not knowing the actor and, and you get really entranced by the story and what happens. So Stephen, you say you know this film. What do you think of it? To me, I like about it is the whole point of the movie is both sides are fucked in a fucked up situation. Yep, to say the least. Because they're having to deal with this tank that's breaking down all the damn time. Mm-hmm. And the Afghans are having to deal with rifles that don't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> and you got assholes I mean, that are... It sounds that, like that it might the... be comedic, but it's not. But that's really what... What it was about. Yeah. Yeah. Dealing with shit that don't work. <laughs> and, and that also includes the, 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 the leaders of the respective groups. Because they're both assholes. Yeah. It's a good one. If you haven't seen it, my number 10 is not a war film exactly, but it deals with the curse of duty. It's about... A guy who goes undercover to help the Allied resistance by sending out coded messages during World War II. But it turns out the code he uses causes as much damage, if not more damage, than the motherfuckers he's trying to undermine. So the movie is about how the best intentions are almost as bad as being evil itself. Right, Carl? Right. And which movie is this, Stephen? That will be Kurt Vonnegut's Mother Night. This is one of those books that if you read it, you would think, there's no way they're going to fucking do this right. There's no way they're going to fucking do this right. And you sit there and you go, Holy fucking shit, they did it right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith Gordon, who's the director of that, is really, really good. Um, and and just, you know, the, the actors in it, you don't know the actors, and that's the whole point, again. Uh, uh, and, and the well, thing is, basically, the story... 
The story is that there is this character by the name of Howard Campbell, who uh, is a spokesperson for the Nazis uh, uh, on on radio in America, and he's doing this. Uh, well, out of Berlin, excuse me. And he's doing this as a double agent against the Nazis, but he's not allowed to say that. Okay, and so when the war is over, you know, uh, his life is ruined. And it's 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 a really interesting film. Um, and not the only film you'll hear about director Keith Gordon tonight. So go ahead, yeah. Steven. And it has one of Vonnegut's most brutal end lines ever. Okay. Uh, the character looks at basically his doppelganger, and he's sitting there right before he does his final act, and he said, do I deserve everything that's happening to me? And his doppelganger just looks at him and goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, let's let's face it too. Uh, one film that isn't on our list, though we don't really consider it a war film, would be Slaughterhouse Five. But that's a war film. Yeah. And and, and Bonnicket talked really from a pacifist view and an anti-war view about World War II and many novels, and one of them being Mother Night. Yeah, but Mother Night is less anti-war than anti-duty. Yes, that's true. Very true. Okay, what's your number nine? Well, we know what we think of Sam Peckinpah. We love Sam Peckinpah. But there's a movie that isn't really well known, I think. That's his one war film. And that would be Cross of Iron. And basically what you have is German commander uh, Captain Hauptmann places a squad in extreme danger after Sergeant Steiner refuses to lie for him. And so this is a big thing between, uh, uh, you know, fight within the ranks between a, a, a sergeant and, and, and uh, a captain. And it's uh, really, really a, a, a war of wills. And let's not forget that... Um, James Mason is involved in this too. Great cast because you have Coburn, Maximilian Shell, James Mason, David Warner. Um, great cast. Really brutal action sequences, as you would expect from Sam Peckinpah, who did a wild bunch. But really, one of Coburn's best roles. Seriously, yeah. and and well, I really like this one. Love about it is Coburn's character has won the cross of iron so many times that it don't mean shit to him. Right. But the other one played by James Nason wants that damn cross of iron so bad for his career that when he goes up in awe of Steiner goes, 
my God, you want so many crosses of iron. How could how does it feel to be so honored? And he just throws on him. He says, here, have one. Yeah. And that offends his sensibility so much that he basically sets him up to get killed. Yeah. And you told me one, and there is two endings to this movie. The one we got and the one they couldn't afford. The one they couldn't afford mm-hmm. would have been dark as shit. <laughs> True. True. You want to give him a little bit of that, Stephen? Well, what it is is that after Steiner makes it back, he just goes in and kills Mason's character. We're setting him up and getting all of his men killed. Right. Because that's a major point, too. Uh, Mason's character don't give a shit about his men. He gives a shit about the medals. And Coburn's character don't give a shit about the medals. He just gives a shit about his men. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a real yin-yang movie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, And I like the way it's set up. <clears throat> and and it actually has a sequel. You were telling me about this, and I checked it out, called Breakthrough, which is not nearly yeah. as good. It's your generic action film with the same Steiner character, except right. at the end of it, he turns to the United States Army. Yeah, this one is much better, trust me. How much would that fit into Steiner's character, him turning against the Nazis? It probably would, actually, but I don't see him working for the Americans. I would see, like, French Resistance or something. So what do you got for your number eight? Or... Number eight is one that you don't like, and I like it because it is a great men-on-a-mission film, but it's also silly as hell, which you don't like, and that would be the original Enzo G. Castellari's Inglorious Bastards. Okay, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said it wouldn't be on my top ten, that's all. Yeah, I love it. It's the one that uh, Tarantino stole the name. What it is is both Svensson and Fred the Hammer Williamson are two deserter. Well, they lead a group of deserters who are sick of this war and just want to get the hell out. But they end up getting neck deep in the shit. Mm -hmm. And the harder they try to get away from the war, the deeper they get into it. Yeah. And how can you not like a war movie with topless German fraulines with big boobies and machine guns? <laughs> uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at women! Oh, shit! Yep. And we'll definitely be getting to a lot of this subgenre in this list, right, Carl? Right. M O M Men on a Mission. Yep, and we'll we'll be talking about some of the uh more 
well-known men on a mission. And po- and possibly what most people and me consider, and I think Carl do consider the greatest men on a mission film ever made. But that's oh, later yeah. on in the night. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now what is your number eight? eight. Uh, well, we talked about this. You're not fond of this one. But uh, but we were just talking about Keith Gordon and Mother Night. Keith Gordon also directed a film which I really like, which is based on a true story. Uh, and it's set in 1944 France in the Ardennes. An American intelligence squad locates a German platoon wishing to surrender rather than die in Germany's final war offensive. The two groups of men, isolated from the war at present, put aside their differences and share a Christmas celebration. The surrender plan includes a mock battle that turns bad when one of the soldiers is unaware of the surrender plan. And the movie is called A Midnight Clear. And it is a movie that I really, really like. Usually when you get, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, Spielberg and, and uh, manipulating uh, uh, your, your emotions. Sometimes a movie earns it. This one does. Uh, and this cast is Unifer, Peter Berg, Kevin Dillon, Eric Gross, Ethan Hawke, Gary Sinise, John McGinley. Really good, solid cast. Done very, very uh, economically. And I really, really, really like this film a lot. And so this would be my number eight. And, of course, the other thing, too, is it's a Christmas movie. But it's not exactly one of those Christmas movies either. So there you go. And I I know you're not fond of it, Stephen, but go ahead and tell them what you think. Let's be honest. When it comes to Carl, he is an animal, and that animal is a hippo. (laughs) And he is a critic, too, but let's take off the idic. (laughs) <laughs> and that would describe him perfectly. A hippo C? A hippocrit. Oh, a hippocrit. Oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> you did. You made me watch Troll. You made me watch uh, Elves. Okay, but that has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> yeah. You still fuck me, but make me watch it. <laughs> but what do you think of a midnight clear? And you say Spielberg will leave you. That fucking snowball fight is fucking beyond manipulative, man. <laughs> Spielberg ain't got shit on that snowball fight. <laughs> I like it. Like Keith Gordon did two okay films, The Chocolate War. That's not his fault. Midnight Clear. That is his fault. And one fucking Stone Cold classic. Well, actually, too, because because Harrison Bergeron too. It's brilliant. Yeah. And 
And next is going to be one who know me is probably going to be surprised. Even Carl was surprised I put this on my top ten, wasn't you? Yeah, but yeah. This is a movie about Polish resistance fighters who are stuck in a sewer committing sabotage mission while slowly going blind and going insane. And that would be, is this the prequel, semi-prequel, or the semi, yeah, it's the semi-prequel to Ashes and Diamonds, which is Canal. Right. It's a very, very intense, claustrophobic film. True. True. And it deals with, uh, like I said, the lack of light. They're slowly going blind, and they don't know where the Nazis are and where they're coming from. It is great. Well, it, it's directed by Andrew, Andrew Wacha, and of course, it's a Polish film, and it's about the Polish resistance, and and also the the uh, 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 the bat, the attack on Warsaw by the Nazis. And so yeah. it is amazingly brutal. It's a brutal film. Yeah. Let's add both of them in as one entry. Since they pretty are back-to-back films. Okay, well, Ashes and Diamonds, yeah. You could put both yeah. of them on there. Absolutely. Ashes and Diamonds is a semi-sequel to Canal because the main hero in the movie talks about being in the sewers and he has to wear sunglasses all the time because his eyes were ruined. Right. This one is about after the World War II and how this guy with the sunglasses is there to kill someone that they consider bad. And it's about how he learns to live, and that and that makes him realize how much of a horrible person he is more than make his life better. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Don't it's like you have those out as a box set, a tiny little box set. Yeah, and I think you might have watched this other film, too. I'm not sure. Um. But, yeah, I think they do. But if you're looking for a war film that's unique and different, get Canal and Ashes and Diamonds. Great freaking movies. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. In case you're wondering why I have such weird, unique tastes in uh, war movies, I'll have to go to number one and blame that guy for it. Okay. Well, yeah, you... you. Uh, yeah, there's no question of that one. Now, talking about not weird, but going the other way, uh, I'm, I'm going to put as my number seven film a film that my father loved. My father, growing up, there were two things that he watched, westerns and war movies. And generally, I wasn't fond of either of them because he'd have the uh, remote or you know, control the TV, and I would have to watch whatever he wanted to watch. But there's a couple of films I do love, and this one's a classic. And that would be The Bridge on the River Kwai, which is 
one of my dad's top three war films of all time. And it's really, really good. It's based. Did you realize it's based on a novel by Pierre Boulet, who gave us also the uh, uh, the novel that Planet of the Apes is based on. Um, of course, the movie stars William Holden, Alec Guinness, Jack Hawkins, uh, 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 Sesu Hayakawa, Andre Morel. Great cast. And it's all about destroying a bridge, and it's very, very much raw, raw, but still, it's a matter of principle. It's a matter Actually, of principle. No, that ain't the best part of the movie. What? The best part of the movie is the chess game between Senshi Kazawa and Alec Guinness. Oh, oh, that chess game is one. That, that's one of the reasons I love the film, because at the time I was watching it, I loved chess. I still do. But yeah, no question. Game. Okay, and here's mm-hmm. the big question to you. Which ending do you prefer? The one where everybody gets killed and the bridge blows up? Or everybody gets killed and then Alec Guinness lives a little longer, but the bridge doesn't get blown up and he goes, my God, what have I done? And then well, let me, put it this, let me put it this way. The one that my father loved, and I have to go with this one, is where everyone dies and the bridge blows up. That has to be one of the funniest bridge explosions ever. Mm-hmm. Jack Hawkins gets <laughs> shot, and his body just <laughs> plop, boom. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's one other thing I need to to mention about this film. Is the score. The score that is is wonderful, and it's written by a British composer by the name of Malcolm Arnold, uh, who I got to know uh, through my church work and, and, and through my work mm-hmm. at Carl Fisher. It's a great score. Absolutely fantastic score. So there. And Bridge on the River one, of the most whistle, one of the most hummable films ever. Great score. Great score. And for my number seven, it's another double feature, and I'm going down to Australia for the early 70s. One is Peter Weir's classic, uh, Jap. Gallipoli. 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 Yeah, Gallipoli. And this is about, well, basically it's the same story that Kubrick talked about in Paths of Glory. Mm Mm-hmm. Except that he translated, he transferred over to France from uh, Australia. And what it was is that because of the the peop the ones in charge sent this whole squad of young boys to basically to their death into the meat grinder, and every one of them gets killed. And the whole movie is about you feeling an emotional attachment to these boys. Mm-hmm. So when the inevitable ending happens, it just makes you feel so horrible inside. <laughs> 
Yeah. Agreed. And who was the big star to come out of this movie? Uh, I'm, I'm actually on another. Uh, just tell us. I'm, I, I, I'm having a blank here. Mel Gibson. Yeah, Gallipoli, of course, Mel Gibson. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and next one is a more controversial film because there's no way to get around the fact that the lead character and his crew actually did murder a priest and some innocents. But because he did it because of the orders and the men up in charge just threw his ass to the fire, he became a folk hero in Australia, didn't he, Carl? Yes, he did. And just remember, shoot straight, you bastards, and don't make a mess of it. And that would be the one and only Breaker Morant. And I've always wanted to ask you this. What did you think about at the end where he declares himself a pagan? I think it's a perfect response. <laughs> I, I really like that part of it because because of him being, you know, him and his and his crew being basically set up, even though they were told to do it. Uh, 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 you know, he turns his back on everything. He turns his back on, on, on the army. He turns his back on his on on belief. I I I get it. I have no problem with it. Yeah. And of course, let's not forget who's turning their back on and becoming a pagan. It's fucking Edward Woodward. Yeah. He can do anything he damn well pleases. Yeah, I mean Brian. Uh, Brian Will- Brown. Brian Brown, Brown and uh, your guy, well, my guy too, Edward Woodward. Woodward. This is a must-see, damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. This movie is such a great classic that if you like the comic book Preacher, the next to the last issue of it, 90% in the book is one of the characters just giving a scene-by-scene description of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Galpoli, too. And have you noticed that most of our films that we're talking about are pretty much anti-war? <laughs> yeah, or anti-war fuck- films. Yeah, or fuck-war films. Pro-soldier films. Yeah, exactly. Except for maybe Mother Night, but... Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, that was anti-duty, which which uh, I, I, yeah. I happen to agree with you on. So, my number six. You can't get, I think, a scarier war film, and certainly not a more claustrophobic war film. Than Das Boat. Oh God! If you're yeah. a claustrophobic, don't watch Das Boot or Das Boot. <laughs> yeah, and, and they actually did a remake of it this year as a miniseries on German television, which I have not seen. And uh, there the is movie. the original miniseries version that they cut down for the U.S. movie theatrical print. 
Right, exactly, and that's what this is. And I've seen both this version as a movie and this version as a miniseries. The miniseries is better, but you have to invest some time. And yeah. it's it it's German. The only person you would know in this cast is Jorgen Prochnow. Uh, uh, and it's set in 1942. Uh, submarine fleet is heavily engaged in the Battle of the Atlantic to harass and destroy British shipping. And this U-boat uh, basically uh, uh, takes heavy losses. And it's the story of this this crew and uh, the professionalism of the soldiers trying to obey all all what they're supposed to obey. And then the basic... Uh, uh, you know, how things fall apart and what happens to them. It's really, really something. And you're as scared as shit as they are. Oh, that's a fucking lootly. This is a great... I have never seen sweat be more tense than in Dapu. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you that as a joke. Yeah. There's one thing right in the middle and all you hear see is them sweating and just sitting there being quiet. And the only noise on the soundtrack is doo, doo, doo. And you're fucking on the edge. Oh, absolutely. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. The film itself was a 147-minute cut. The uh, the miniseries is six hours, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or is it four? Yeah. It's six. Yes, I'm right about that. I just checked. Hell of a film. Hell of a miniseries. Definitely worthwhile watching. Uh, uh, and you will be biting your tongue the whole time. Seriously. Great film. And as... Uh, let's see. My number six... I want to add my first one for my hero... And that would be Verboten. Which Good is another film. film by Sam Fuller where he uses the, where he covers up duty and propaganda, and uses propaganda. Because it's about James Best as a guy who goes into Nazi Germany after the war is over and not only does he have to deal with anti-German, anti-American resentment from the war, he has to deal with anti-German propaganda used during the war. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it has one of Sam Fuller's most heartbreaking scenes ever. It's the girl that James Best is dating. His son calls him a no-good fucking Jew-loving. He didn't use fucking. That would be later with Sam, but a no-good Jew-lover. So he takes him into uh, the film, the Nuremberg films. Is that what they were called? Uh, Well, no, it's Nuremberg Trials. The film's... Uh, basically, I just know them as the films of the Auschwitz and that, that, of course, Sam Fuller yeah, the actually... Yeah, Auschwitz film. And yeah. he takes them, 
and shows those movies and to an exhibit and lets the little boy watch those films. And you see this boy get emotionally destroyed in every thing that boy believes in is destroyed on film as he watches those movies. Yep. And who filmed the Auschwitz film? Or should we save that for a later film on your list, or is that film on your list? Uh, no, no, no. You go ahead and tell. It so I was... Basically just... Sam Fuller had just written a book called The Dark Page and made pretty good money off of it. So his mother sent him an 8mm camera and film. So when he was one of the first troops to go inside the camp, so he was filming everything. And after it was all over, this general come up to him. He said, what the hell is that, boy? And Sam Fuller was scared shitless. He's like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. He's like, it's a movie camera. What were you doing with it? I was filming inside the camps. And they confiscated that film. And it turned out that those movies that Sam Fuller shot helped swing the anti-German. He said, the general said, these are probably going to be the only proof that this, that this ever happened. Yeah. And that's when Sam Fuller realized the power of film. Mhm. Yeah, Sam was really something. And 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 Verboten is a superb film. And 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 it's a film that I think these days people ought to watch again. Cuz I I run across, you know, you do run across uh Holocaust deniers. And, and anti-Jewish sentiment, and uh, you know those filmic uh, uh, archives that he he filmed are so important, and they're part of this film called Verboten. So definitely go see it. No question. Good choice, Stephen. Good choice. What's your next one? Well, let me put it this way. Now, I want you to remember that no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor bastard die for it. Die, yeah. Fuck you, George C. Scott. You should have accepted your Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> Which he did about 20 years later, didn't he? No, he never did. Dumbass. Never did. He was, he was perfect in that role. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, again, this one's for my dad. And, and I loved it because as much of an asshole as Patton was, and, and, and it makes no bones about that he was an asshole. You still really, you got to understand him and love him. And, of course, let's not forget who wrote the screenplay to this. Yeah. You know who? Who? Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. No, he wrote. Mm Mm-hmm. 
just just really something. And 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 uh, another person who really makes this film is is uh, Carl Malden, who plays uh, General Omar Bradley, and they are very very close. Uh, though though Bradley realizes that Patton is self destructive, but man, you, it's so iconic. How many times? Have they done a takeoff on that beginning with the flag and Patton coming out and saying that speech, right? So many, and just the music, too. <laughs> exactly. That's why I started but like this that. this is not the best Carl Malden film on the list. I didn't say it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great, great film. And, and, uh, Again, again, that one's for my dad because my dad loved Pat, and so do I. This is one I, I, I literally do really, really love. I think it's a great film. Yeah. And my number five is the last truly great, pure, old school, grab your guns, war films. And it came out in the eighty five, eighty six, didn't it? Yeah. And this has every cliche of the rally around to get your guns and rally around the bad guys. The bad guys are black, the good guys are good. And there's you know. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and that would be Jim Cameron's aliens. Now, it's a war movie. I'll give you that. I'm not going to argue that. I, I just don't. I don't put it in the same category because it's sci-fi. It's just like the argument I have with Miss Vicky about the original Alien. I say it's a horror movie. She says it's sci-fi. It's a hybrid. It's both. And this is a hybrid too. Okay, and that's yeah. what it is. Uh though. God knows there are great lines in this. You know, I mean, that and, whole and, fucking line with them putting together, Oh, we mean? Yeah. Oh, we lean? Yeah. Oh, we absolutely badass? Sir, yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. And that music is one of the best war movie scores ever. Mm-hmm. I agree, and, and let's face it, Bill Paxton's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, Bill That's Paxton, yeah. Yeah, Michelle did Rodriguez. Ever, did they ever mistake you for a man, Vasquez? Did they you? <laughs> <laughs> and when he breaks too, oh man. <laughs> she, this girl last, yeah. Well, I was thinking more. This little girl lasted here for six months without us. Well, shit, let's put her <laughs> in charge then. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for an old school, you know, fun war film, you can't get <clears throat> better than Aliens and one that's very higher on the list. Yep. Agreed. What's your Agreed. number four? Ah, 
Well, let's put it this way. What's the number after 11? A dozen. And this is the one that we've been talking about. The best Carl Malden film on the list. <laughs> and pretty much, there were men on a mission films before this one, but this is the one that wrote everything that you have to put in a men on a mission film in stone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you can't get a better cast. I mean, seriously. And, and, and another thing is it's Robert Aldrich. Robert Aldrich was just a man's director, man. He just was. And, and, and you know, if you don't know this film, all I have to say is the cast. Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, Charles Bronson, Jim Brown, John Cassavetes, George Kennedy, even Trini fucking Lopez, Robert Ryan, Telly Savalas, Donald Sutherland, Robert Weber, and Carl Molden in a small role. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah. Telly Savalas is my favorite in this movie, and I'm a Bronson guy. Oh, they're, they're all good. They're all good. Uh, for me, it's Cassavetes. To me, I think Cassavetes just fucking steals this. And you know who else steals this, too? And you don't uh, think about it. It's Ernest Borgnine. Oh, God, because yeah. He, because he knows what's going on when they do the, 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 the war game part of it. Yeah. He knows what's going on. He doesn't let on, but he knows... And we as the audience knows, and you can just see him break. <laughs> like when he yeah. sees uh Cindy Lopez and and, and, and and Jake will come in. You know, I mean this is just one of the most fun movies. And again, another one for my dad. You know, again Oh, and you know the scene where Jim Brown uh takes grenades and does the run and throws them in the hole? Yes. That was improvised by Jim Brown. Well, there's another one too. Uh, uh, so, so Richard Jekyll yeah. got sick, and he was supposed to. When they go to Ryan's place, and 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 and, and they have to have someone uh, 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 impersonate the, uh, their general. Yeah. Uh, Jekyll was supposed to do it but couldn't because he was sick. And so it, it came to that day of shooting. And uh, uh, Aldridge said to uh, uh, Donald Sutherland, you do it. And so that whole scene with Sutherland is all improvised, and it is so good. Yeah. yeah. And you know what Jim Brown based that scene on with him throwing the hand grenades in the hole, don't you? No. On football practice that he had to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's like he would have him run up there and he's like, okay, circle, boom, boom, you know. Mm-hmm. And yep. I love that the Dirty Dozen are not good guys. Because most of the people they kill in the goddamn <laughs> bunker are just civilians. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Telly Savalas is a rapist and a murderer. Not in that order. 
<laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's a good film. It's a really, it's really a good film. Well. Yeah, it has. And and, and and it's Robert Aldrich. And and uh you know, he gave us things like Emperor of the North, uh Twilight's Last Gleaming, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. You know, just a great director, man. Fantastic film. So that's my number four. Okay, my number four, I'm having to rejigger it a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, one of the do- two, one of the darkest fucking ones ever, and that will be What Did You Do in the War, Daddy, which is not that well known. Yep. And what it's about, and this has John Lennon too, but what it's about is a group of soldiers whose job is is to clean out a minefield so the officers in charge can have a croquet or cricket field. Cricket field. Yeah. And it's one of those that starts out whimsical and silly. And then people start getting blown the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And once it gets dark. It gets dark. Oh, it stays God. dark. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is one of those films I would say to anyone who's listening. Check this one out because this one will surprise the fuck out of you. Seriously. And John Lennon actually acts quite well in this. And why this doesn't have a good Blu-ray or DVD release over here, I'm fucking shot. Not surprising, actually. Why? Well, well, because a, it's very British, so it didn't, it didn't, it didn't translate to American audiences. Um, even with the idea that John Lennon is in it, uh, which is interesting. Uh, the second thing is because of the cricket and because of, again, it's all English. And so, so that, that's the main thing. I think that's the reason it didn't translate. Yeah. And it's fucking, like I said, it's very, very, very fucking dark. (laughs) That too. Okay, now on to your number three. Well, let me put it this way. Um, You're not the only one to have a Sam Fuller film in your top ten. You have two. I only have one. But that would be probably his best-known film, Uh, and that would be the big red one. If you look at all of Sam Fuller's war films, they're all dry runs for this one. Yeah. They are. They are. And and this is ju- this is another Lee Marvin film. Another Sam Fuller film. Uh the the Mark Hamill is in this. And of course, let's let's not forget Mark Hamill's character's name, which would be Stephen. Chris. 
that's one of the big one of the big things about them. Always in a Sam Fuller or a Sam Fuller-esque film, there's always a character named Griff in it. Right. Mm-hmm. No, and basically this is just your hardened sergeant and four core members of his infantry unit trying to survive World War II as they move from battle to battle. And one of the things that Stephen has said about this film, and I, I would also say, is this film isn't about the battles. It's about the boredom between the battles. Seriously. And great, and and, great account. Oh, I want to save the name of this movie because of this. Fuck you, Fire Saving Private Ryan. This is the best goddamn fucking D-Day Normandy Beach fucking scene on film. I agree. I agree. Yeah. We Marvin the Sam Fuller. Get out there, son. Fuck you, sir. Click. You know, son, I'd hate to have to shoot you in the fucking head right now. I'm out there, <laughs> sir, right now. <laughs> and Fuller said that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's yeah, the one thing about the show. Okay. That's the one thing about this film is that Sam was there. And this movie, you're there with Sam. No question. The the authenticity of this film is unparalleled. You know, and the other thing I have to say about it is that the cast. You know, we talk about Mark Hamill and Lee Marvin, but let's not forget about Robert Carradine or Bobby DiCicco either in this film. You can't forget Robert Carradine. No, not in this film, not at all. Because he plays Sam Fuller. Yeah, exactly. That's my book there, Sardi. No, it's not. I bought it to fucking Repo Dippo. No, <laughs> Green, no, Greeny. I wrote that book. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great film. And and one that I recommend if you highly. Can get the three-hour restoration cut. Even the original cut, which is the only one I've seen, is well worth watching. No question. You need to get the restoration cut. Well, you know, Richard. You know who was behind that too? It's Richard Schickel. Yeah. You know who was that? Who was the uh, uh, critic for Time Magazine? Yeah. And, and and the and the cut is a hundred hundred and sixty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the original was a hundred and sixteen minutes. And there's no question that, that, that the added footage I'm sure is good, but I've not seen the hundred and sixty minute cut. I've only That's seen the theatrical. Well, I'll have to watch it sometime with you when we get together. Oh, it's great. It really does show Sam's trek through France. Yep. And it has one of the best scenes ever. It has them going to an insane asylum, 
and them trying their damnedest not to shoot a crazy person. He's like, we can't shoot them. Why? It's war. They're crazy. And then one of the crazy person grabs a machine gun mm-hmm. and starts shooting it, and he goes, I'm sane just like you. I'm sane just like you. And then Lee Marvin sadly pulls out his pistol and shoots him in the head. Yep. <laughs> you can't kill any crazy people. But he was saying, yeah. Yeah. Okay, my next one. Let's see. Number four. We're going to skip the underrated because we're already at nine, right? Well, we could. Well, let's just keep going. What the heck? We could work it out. This one I'm okay with the, This one's another one, but it's the only. Australian Vietnam War picture ever made, and it's very little known, and I love the hell out of it, and it's got Brian Brown in it, and it's called The Odd Angry Inch. And it's about yeah. the and that's what most people forget is that the Australians were in Vietnam. They were there in between the French and in between... The United Americans. Yep, they were. And it has one of our favorite Australian actors. Whose is it? He's in Waking Fright. Oh, Jack Hawkins. Yeah, it's got Jack Hawkins in it. Uh, Brian Brown. I mean, it's just great. Yep. Yep. I have not seen this, so this definitely has to be on my radar. Yeah. Okay, what's your next one? Your number Which two. Which will be my number two. Okay, well, let me put it this way. Uh, expect some uh, uh, kickback from Stephen on this one. Uh, but this one is... Based on a novel by James Jones, uh, and uh, the screenplay and directed by Terrence Malick. And yes, we are talking about the Thin Red Line. And before you get to say anything, I, I want to tell a story. I was going. I was in. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was going to school for my master's, and and so anyway. Uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan had just come out. And I saw this one, and I grabbed a couple of, of, of kids that I knew from from, from uh, Concordia. We went to see this, and they were blown away. This and then film, they beat the shit out of you for taking them to see a crappy movie. No, not at all. They loved it, and so do I. Uh, I love the way that Malik does this. And this is not your normal, at all your normal, uh, a war film because the way he has it set up is that each character represents a certain part of the psyche. One is the conscience, one is the the, the you know the heart, the mind, <laughs> and the cast is absolutely fantastic. Particularly uh, Elias Kostas, uh Sean Penn, uh, Jim Casabell, okay, 
but 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 uh, but you know also uh, 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 Cusack is in this uh, great great cast. Uh, yeah, it's a little long. It could be a lot longer. Trust me, I hear there's a five hour cut. That that uh, and like... here's a joke that's sadly true. And it also okay. stars a lot of pissed off motherfuckers who are pissed off that Malik cut them out of the film. <laughs> yes, that's true. We would talk about that, but that'd be another half hour just listing names. <laughs> <laughs> but but why do you have such a problem with this film? Because it's boring. It's boring. It's pretentious. It's noodle uh, twaddling. I don't see. I disagree with you completely. But then again, you might twaddle your noodle it. a little bit different than everybody else, but it is noodle twaddling. Hey, <laughs> I, I twaddle my noodles my own business, okay? But that being said, okay, let's not forget that uh, Malik was a philosophy professor. Guess what? I have a minor in philosophy. Of course, I'm going to be on this wavelength. Not everybody is. People are going to agree with you more, Stephen, than they are with me. I don't care. I think it's a brilliant film. It's my number two film. My number two film is uh, another one based on D-Day. And for me, it's a holy shit film. Okay. Holy shit, Henry Fonda. Holy shit, John Wayne. <laughs> Holy shit, Benny Hill. Yes. Holy shit, Peter Sellers. Yeah. And holy shit, Peter Sellers and Sean Connery acting together in the same scene. Yeah. And that will be the longest day. Which really, if you look at it on paper, should be a boring movie, but it's not. No, great film. Yeah. Usually you'll see it on TCM every, uh, which one do they usually show it on, uh, Veterans Day or Memorial Day? Memorial Day. They do it on Memorial Day, General. It's one of those all-star shebangs that actually work. Very true. Very true. And Benny Hill is good. Peter Sellers is also good. He's one of those guys that... If he gets a role that he can sink his teeth in, he's fucking excellent. Yeah, and you don't consider him as a... As a uh... A dramatic actor, but but certainly Nissy is. Yeah. And this is Sean Connery really right after he became James Bond and before he became James Bond. Because well, people exactly. like, oh my God, he was in Doctor Noah. He was James Bond. You know that wasn't true, right, Carl? That's very not. That's very not true. Because he wasn't James Bond until your favorite one. Well, well, uh, from Russia with love. From Russia with love. One, yeah. yeah. Yep. 
But yeah, that's a really good one. And now for our number ones. No, actually, I'll before we first. do that, how, how about our, our worst ones and our underrated ones? Oh, my worst ones? What if the Moonies made a movie with Thor Lawrence Olivier making one of the worst fucking accents ever? <laughs> I was amazed that goddamn corncob pop of his didn't fucking split in two as hard as he was biting it while talking through it. Yeah, no shit. And that would be Inchon. Oh, my God. Even if you like bad movies, and we do like our bad movies. Yes, we do. Stay the fuck away from Inchon. It's like the VD of bad movies. Uh, No, it's like Raging Chlamydia VD. Kind of VD that don't go away. Yeah. Really. Really, 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 really. Um. Okay. So let's see. That's your bad one. Okay. So I have to preface this a little bit. My father, God Uh love him, loved John Wayne. And as much as he loved The Longest Day, that was not his favorite John Wayne movie. War movie. You know what was? Ham oh, took yeah. the movie? Nope. How about the Green Berets? Don't forget, okay. they it, did have a character in there called Ham Chunk. That, that's true. That's true. Short round, hand chunk. Oops, short round. Sorry, okay. didn't say that. Right. Okay, so listen to this cast. This is scary. John Wayne, David Jansen, Jim Hutton, Aldo Ray, Raymond St. Jocks, Jack Sue from, from Barney Miller, George Takai, Patrick Wayne, John's son. Okay, it gets worse. And this is the movie where I actually, my father made me watch this, and I just looked at him because this is the infamous end scene where the sun is setting in the east. And, and I even tell my rally around the flag, boys, Vietnam movie. Right. So I say to my dad, "But the sun is setting in the east." Shut up and watch the movie. No! It's over, thank God! <laughs> this one is bad. This one is really fucking bad. Yeah. <coughs> okay, what's your most underrated? Okay, well, you go first with your underrated, because i got to get to it for a second, okay? Underrated would be... I'm trying to think. You go, because I'm still trying to think. Okay, well, okay. So we talked about Robert Aldridge and The Great Escape. But let's talk about his first film he ever wrote and directed. Mm -hmm. And that would be a really, really good little film called Attack. And and basically, 
what you have is you have a cast of Jack Palance, Lee Marvin, Eddie Albert, Richard Jekyll, Buddy Epson. Okay? And uh, basically what you've got is in 1945, an American infantry company sets up an artillery observation post, but tensions between the captain uh, uh, and, and lieutenant run high. And uh, because there's these tensions, everything falls apart uh, with an attack by the Germans. Again, it's not a film that's rah-rah. And it's right at the end of the war. And it, and it's just a, a really brutal little film. Um, and, it, and it's... Um, 1957, I think. I'm, I'm looking at that right now. Hold on. Let me get there. But do you know this film at all? Uh, no. No, no really, it, no. It, it's 1956, actually. 1956. I, I and, and, and it's one of those films I ran across again with my dad. And you could tell, if my dad didn't like a movie... That was a war movie or Western. I generally liked it, and that was the case here. Because to be honest, the Americans in this, and this is the National Guard Infantry Company, so they're not, yeah. you know, yeah. It uh, just shows how we can fuck up and how we're, not, you know, we could be assholes too. And it's really, really good. It's gritty. It's little known. It's 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 uh, uh, really really brutal in a lot of ways. It's a really good film, and if you can find it, watch it. It's well worth it. It's called Attack. Okay, I picked out my uh, underrated one. It's a Vietnam War allegory from the early '80s about a squad of. Uh, what do they call it, the ones that volunteer for the soldiers? National Guard oh. Troop. Right. Who get oh, yeah. shot out in the middle of nowhere and end up in like a Vietnam situation with uh, uh, Louisiana with locals cable. replacing Viet Cong. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. I am so and with that, you on this. And that would be Walter Hill's very, 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 very underrated Southern Comfort. Okay. Can I just say two words? Powers fucking booth. I got two better words. Okay. Brian fucking James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't come down here on our country and be fucking with us. We'll fuck with you right back. <laughs> this is a mean, brutal little allegory about how basically we went in all arrogant from Vietnam to kick some ass and then ended up getting our asses whipped. Right. It's intense. It's one of those, uh, you don't know who's going to make it. Even at the very no. last shot of the movie, you still don't know what the f- 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it counts as a war film, don't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I it's an allegory, so it's not exactly a war film, but yeah. Well, I, I would put I, it I sub, uh, category of trap behind enemy lines. Right. I I would say that. Well, what other ones could you think of real quick? There's uh, Men on a Mission, uh, Trap Behind Enemy Lines, Rescue, or would that just be another Men on a Mission? That's a Men on a Mission, I would say. Okay. And now you go for your number one first. Well, okay, so... There is an actor that I love that many people don't know. Uh, But before I say his name, the person that you may know as his spiritual uh, successor would be Jean Reno, uh, who was in several films. But Lino Ventura was a great actor uh, in foreign films, particularly French films in the 1960s. And Jean-Pierre Melville, a great director, uh, took a uh, novel by Joseph Kessel and made a, a, a film called Army of Shadows that stars Lino Ventura as Philippe uh, Gabier. And basically what the story is, it's France, 1942, under German occupation. Philippe, a civil engineer, is a French resistant commandment, commandant. Uh, Denounced by a French collaborator, he is interned in a concentration camp. (laughs) He manages to escape. He joins his network in Marseille, (coughs) where he has the traitor executed. This movie reveals rigorously and austerely what life was like in the French resistance, the solitary and fear of its members, their relationships with one another, and the constant threat of arrest by the Gestapo. Uh, It is tense. It is very human. It is the escape sequence from, from, from the prison. There isn't a more tense uh, a sequence in film. I'm sorry, there isn't. It is brilliant. It is very, very small in stature, uh, in scope, but it is so human. And Lino Ventura is just incredibly good in this. Would you I say never that this would be a good triple feature with uh, Canal and Ashes and Diamonds? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And by the way, uh, the reason Canal was not on my list was simply because it was on your list, because you're absolutely right. Canal and this would be a perfect double feature. Uh, it is It is so good and so beautifully done. Um, uh, I can't think of a better film about about war. In fact, I can think of very few better films at all. Uh, and so if you have not seen this, you need to see it. Army of Shadows. <clears throat> 1969. And, and thank God for early uh, uh, home box office because that's how I saw it was through home box office. Then, then uh, in the 80s, I got to see this in New York at a rock theater. 
just brilliant on the big screen. Unbelievable. Number one film. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, a little bit of history. Before, uh, Sam Fuller was a director at Fox, and he did a few films for him. Most of his noirs, like uh, uh, The Crimson Kimono, uh, Pick Up on South Street, uh, Park Street. He was uh, Leo G. Meyer's boy. But then Myers left, and basically, Sam Fuller said, fuck it, and went on his own and made a trilogy of uh, films. And they would, two of them would, the first two would be Shock Corridor, which if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. And oh, without the second a doubt. would be, what? Without a doubt. And the second will be The Naked Kiss. And the third will be the best war film ever. A movie that's such a potent war film that it not only pissed off the communists, it put him on J. Edgar Hoover's shit list. And that will be Sam Fuller's The Steel Helmet. You have not seen a war movie like this before or since. From the opening scene, yeah. which is, it just shows credit over the helmet. And then after the credits, it shows Gene Tierney rise up. And you look at him, and this guy is like three-fourths quarter of way crazy. And then you realize, this is the motherfucker we're going to be following through the movie. (laughs) Yep. This is about a patrol in Korea. This is one of the few Korean films ever made. And most of them were made by Sam Fuller. And this is a very dark, nasty... (laughs) This film is more real than I have seen any other real film ever. From the dog tag scene where the new captain was like, go get his dog tags. Dog tags? Who gives a shit who he is? He's dead now. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, this movie, there's no respite from it. Not at all. And Not at it has all. one of the best speeches ever. And how ballsy was to have this speech in... Was it about 1945, 1950 when the steel helmet came out? 51 or 52, I think. Yeah. But how ballsy was to have this in 1952? You can fight with them and get killed with them, but you can't ride in the front of the bus with them. Yep. (laughs) They locked up your family in the prison camp, just like they did the Jews, did they? Yep. That's a bingo. <laughs> oh God! How ballsy was that to have that in a movie in 1950? Extremely ballsy. But of course, who was it? It's fucking Sam, Sam Fuller. Fuller. What? He did not give a fuck. 
he would tell the truth. But that would come from where he started. He started out as a newspaper guy. Back when back yep. when the news would actually tell you the fucking news and not these fucking pussies we have nowadays. True. And plus, the end card of this movie, good God, did that piss off Hoover and the communists. <laughs> and what was that end card read, Carl? Well, it, it reads the end with a uh, question mark, and then it basically says it never ends. Yeah, it never ends. And they're like, you can't put that in front of a war movie. They'll think we're always going to be at war. But aren't we? No shit. Yes, but we don't want them to know that. (laughs) And the biggest message out of the movie is all war does is destroy men and destroy beautiful things. Because the whole last quarter of the movie is set in this gorgeous Buddhist temple. And then he shows these gorgeous statues and all this gorgeous artwork. And proceeds to destroy every fucking bit of them. Yep. Yep. This, so, it may be a day late, but from all of us here, thank you to everyone who served. You got more guts than we did. Well, we couldn't either. We're disabled. Nonetheless. You know, uh, to everyone out there, a day late perhaps, but the thoughts are still there. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans yeah. Day. And last thing is, that's one thing I wish they would have kept from First Blood the book and First Blood, kept in First Blood the movie. What's that? How the sheriff was a Korean vet and how Rambo was a Vietnam vet. And both of them were fucked over by their country when they came home from the wars. Right. And we will see you Sunday when we're becoming 1991. I mean, 2011. Yeah, there's a little difference between 1991 and 2011, my friend. I'm just saying I was young then, singing that song by uh, fucking Frank Sinatra. Damn it. <laughs> you know. Well, the wind breeze and I was young without a care. Okay. You should join the, the Mormon. Hold on. This is a joke. You should join the Mormon uh, tubercular choir, okay? You'd be perfect yeah. for it. And next week will be an anniversary. Will be, of course, the crappy Thanksgiving movie, which is Gotti. And it will be an even bigger anniversary, not Carl's anniversary on this show. No, that's the tiny part of it. It will be Carl's anniversary of starting podcasting, period. Yes, it will. Seven years. Yeah, seven years. And what do you guys have in store for this week and coming up? Well, okay, on on, uh, Friday, uh, uh, Adam is going to be doing uh, 
television uh, uh, animated specials <laughs> with particular um, uh, emphasis on Charlie Brown and uh, Dr. Seuss. So that's what's going to happen there. And then I don't know what what uh, what uh, uh, Doc has ready for for next Sunday. So we don't know that. It's going to be shit. <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I ain't shit. But here's the thing: has uh, Adam seen what uh, what came on? Uh, what series came on uh, Netflix last week? Not that I know of. What did come on? Green Eggs and Ham. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll I'll make sure he knows that. I, yeah. I didn't think that was released yet. No, it came out last week. And okay. as a last thing, this is personal for me. Fuck you, parent. Fuck you, Patty Mullen. Calling some calling the Gerber kid with. The uh, uh, da, 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 da. Down, Down syndrome of fucking Mongo. You can take your Mongo and shove it up your ass with a stick of dynamite and light the fucking fuse. Agreed. Agreed. Good night, everybody, and thank you to everyone who served again. Okay, Th- again, thank you, and thank you, Stephen, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night.